Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. This is part five of our series going through the book of Jonah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. So we're in the book of Jonah. Anyone been here at all for this uh, Jonah series? A couple people? Okay, so here's where we went. God called a man named Jonah to go to a place named Nineveh to preach a message. Jonah went in the opposite direction. He disobeyed, got stuck in a storm, got swallowed by a fish. You guys remember this? And then in the fish, Jonah experiences the grace of God and he kind of preaches this gospel message. And so this fish spits Jonah out and so Jonah then decides, okay, I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna go to Nineveh. You guys remember this? And, And Jonah goes to Nineveh He preaches a message of repentance, and the Bible lets us know the whole city starts to to, uh, repent and um, mourn and all of these things. And Jonah chapter 3 finishes by saying that God relents. The people repent, and God relents. I know you're standing, you can't take notes, but remember that anytime you repent, God will always relent. He'll never give you what you deserve. All we have to do is repent. And so the whole city, the whole city is forgiven by the grace of God. You guys remember this? Okay, Jonah chapter four now. I had to just make sure we're on the same page. Verse one, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry and he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So now we know this is why I didn't want to go in the first place. Well, why didn't he want to go in the first place? He says, I knew, I just knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Verse 3, so Lord, take my life. I don't want to live. For it's better for me to die than it is to live. And the Lord replies and he says, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? I want to call our final message in this series, Stuck in Offense stuck in offense. Come on, let's put our hands together and you guys can find your seat this morning. Stuck in offense. Come on, anyone excited to be at church today? Hey, before I get into it, I just want to let you guys know today is serve day. And I just want to encourage you after service, and and I'm not going to say much because the MCs are going to come and do their thing, but sign up to serve. I think that it could be life changing. So I want to get in the message today so that we can go serve. Uh, I want to do something today that is going to kind of seem contradictory. So I'm going to need you to like follow along with me because here's what I wanted to do today. I want to do two things. Number one, I want to offend you today. That's the first thing I want to do today. The second thing I want to do today is I want to help someone get out of offense. I want to help someone stuck in offense. So kind of contradictory, but I want to offend you, but I also want to get you out of offense. And again, 
I'm going to need you guys to really lean in today. Can we do that? Okay, so here's a question for, for, for everyone out there, if you're watching online. Um, how many of you guys would say that you're easily offendable? Anyone, like, easily? I'm just, I'm, it just doesn't take much. I'm offended. Um, I think that, to be honest, we sort of live right now in a culture of offense, where it is, like, easier than ever, more people than ever are simply offended. And uh, I've realized that uh, what I need to do in order to like make sure people aren't offended at me is I need to constantly apologize. And so one of the things that I started to do, and this is really three summers ago, uh, we had summer students that were working uh, at the church. And so kind of like every week, every couple of weeks, I would just begin to ask them, hey, how have I offended you? And the reason I need to do that is because I know that I say some things sometimes that are offensive to their little Gen Z feelings. I'm probably going to need to apologize for saying that. (laughs) But we would just do this thing where I would just say, hey, have I offended you? We would go through the whole process. But I think that where I want to go today is that I want to get us personally out of offense. And this is extremely important when we live in a culture of offense. Because whether we know it or not, so many of us are actually stuck or imprisoned by offense. I think there are people here today that are actually offended at God. And what I want to do today is I want to release you from that offense. And again, I think our issue as a culture so many times, it's not even that we're offended. Because what I want to show us today is that I think sometimes the right offense can lead you to right action. Like if I'm offended by the right thing, I can actually rightly respond. If I'm offended by the wrong thing, I'll always sin. That's important, but the right offense. So in a culture of offense, I think our issue so many times is that we are offended by the wrong things. It's not that we're offended, it's that we're offended by the wrong things. I was just thinking uh, this week, and maybe this will offend you, but uh, a couple years back, uh, the Edmonton football team, formerly known as the Eskimos, uh, I don't know if I'm swearing by saying that, but uh, they changed their name to the Elks, and one of the reasons they changed their name was because um, a group of people were offended. Now, what's interesting is that there was actually a study done up north with Inuit people uh, to ask if they were offended, and the majority said, no, we're not offended. Um, It was people that weren't Inuit that were offended by the term Eskimo, but I was just thinking about uh, that whole story, and it was interesting to me that a group of people were so offended by a name that they decided that they had to do something about it. We have to change the name. But what I thought was kind of ironic was I wondered how many of these same people would drive downtown to Commonwealth Stadium and pass people literally shooting up drugs, passing homeless people, and not get offended at all by that, but by the name of a football team. I think just sometimes we get offended by the wrong things. Now, I know there's someone that you're actually offended they changed their names. So calm down for a second, because some of us are like, I love, I breathe Eskimos. How could they ever change? I'm so offended. And you make a huge stink about that. But you never stop to think about all of the other things in life that really matter. Because I don't really care what way you lean when it comes to the Edmonton Eskimos, Elks, football team. There are bigger things in life that should catch our attention. 
I think we should be offended by the fact that every single day in Canada, thousands of people are illegally, human, like human trafficking is going on in Canada. I think those are some of the things that we should start getting offended by. But what happens is that we kind of just get stuck in this culture of offense where we're offended by pretty much everything. And what happens is we, we have a whole lot of action that doesn't necessarily lead to the desired outcomes. Now, whatever, again, forget the football team. It's just an analogy. If that really offends you, just come back for a second. My whole point is that I want us today to be offended by the right things because I think the right offense has the ability to change everything and move us forward into action. And more than anything, I want to show us the offense of the gospel and the message of Jesus. So we're going to do that through Jonah for the last time. Again, anyone enjoyed this series through the book of Jonah? I hope you guys have been able to see some new things if, if, you've, if you've read this story before. Uh, one of the things that I hope that you've seen as we've read this uh, is that Jonah himself is kind of an interesting character. Like his life is like a roller coaster where he's like faithful, unfaithful, <laughs> faithful, preaching the gospel, and then just like, kill me, Lord. And it's interesting because I think that Jonah's story kind of tears down some stereotypes that a lot of us have when it comes to scripture. I think a lot of us view the characters in the Bible almost like, like Disney movies, where it's like there's a bad guy, then the bad guy became good, the end. But when you read scripture, the people in scripture are not that static. They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. Uh, and I believe the reason for this is quite simple. I happen to believe that the people in scripture are actually real people. And the truth about real people is that we are not static. We're not in a one-way direction. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. Sometimes we're on fire, sometimes we're like, take my life away from me, Lord. And what's interesting is that the book of Jonah, a lot of scholars actually believe that it's like a comedy. Like it's supposed to be a humorous book. Like I know a lot of us have been laughing out loud like as we've been reading this story. Um, but that is like the, that's the genre a lot of scholars think of Jonah. Uh, it's supposed to be funny to, to see this prophet that is so up and so down and so up and so down. But I think that like the real humor in the book of Jonah, and I actually think the best humor, like what I think is really funny is that people, uh, people who have this way of exposing truth, like the funniest jokes are always those that are true in some sense, which a lot of times is why like sometimes jokes hurt your feelings because they're true. The book of Jonah, the humor in it, I think it is supposed to expose something, not necessarily Jonah, but I think what is supposed to be exposed as we read this book is ourselves. We are supposed to see ourselves in Jonah as people that sometimes were good, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're offended. And sometimes we're offended by the wrong things. But as I said, good offense can lead to good action. So I want to go through Jonah's story, and I want to, again, talk all about this idea of offense. So, again, God forgives Nineveh. Right? They repent. God relents. Jonah 4, verse 1, it says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. 
God forgives this city. This seemed very wrong, and Jonah became angry. So I want to give us what I call Life Lesson 101. You could even call it Theology 101. You can write it like this. We are our own worst consultant. I'm going to say it like this. You are your own worst consultant. Josh, throw up the, the, the verse again. I want to just see something. Here are four words that doom Jonah from the start. To Jonah, this seemed. To Jonah, this seemed. If you want to get stuck in offense, live your life by these four words. Take out Jonah. To me, this seems. I want you to understand something important when it comes to, to specifically the word of God and, and the actions of God and what God does and what God calls us to do. One of the worst things that we can do is add our own commentary. The truth is this, God is God, you are not. And so when God tells us to do stuff, when God instructs us, understand this, I believe it is always for our good, right? Look, look, look at Isaiah chapter 55. It says, this is, this is God, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. Any of you guys ever seen heaven before? Probably not, unless you've been there. I'd love to talk to you after. Heaven is high. God says, so my ways are higher than your ways. And so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So listen to this. Because God's ways, his thoughts, everything that he is, everything, his whole being, everything is so much higher than anything I could ever think, anything I could ever come up with, and so what that means is I am my own worst consultant. Truth is this, I, you can say it like this, I am not to be trusted. I am not to be trusted. Here's how I know this, old pictures. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's a constant theme I find that when we look at old pictures, it's usually two questions. Number one, what was I doing with my hair? I'll probably look back in five years, like, what was I doing with my hair? Number two, what was I wearing? Those are the two constant questions we ask when we look back. Like, sometimes I look back at, like, my wife's old photos, like, this is before I knew her, um, and something inside of her told her, like, you know Snooky from Jersey Shore? That's the hairstyle we're gonna get here. And like old pictures, like Christy's like, her hair is like, woo, like the big like thing. And she's like four, five, four in real life. In those pictures, she's like five, six. Um, and like, it's just like, what, 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 what was I thinking? Pretty simple, we are our own worst consultant. And even more than that, we are our, worst, we are our own worst barometer of truth. I am the worst barometer for truth. Here's the issue. We have this cultural creed right now that says, live your truth. Like a lot of people are like, I don't believe in anything, but I do believe that you should 
live your truth, which is a contradiction because you do believe something if you believe that we should live our truth. But for so many people, we have this idea that's like, hey, life is good. I'm on the right direct, I'm on the right path, they're on the right path as long as we're living our truth. Now, as I've said before, and I'll say it again because it bears repeating, but the idea of your truth is a logical fallacy because truth, by definition, (laughs) is true or it's exclusive, meaning if it's true, it's true across the board. And so a lot of times the reality is our truth is really just like a a, a make-up version way of saying, I want to live however I want to live. And I don't want to deal with the consequences. So instead of dealing with the consequences, I can just kind of justify it by saying, well, at least I was living my truth. I left my family. My life's a mess, but I was living my truth. You and I are not a valid source of truth. And so when God acts in this story, Ironically enough, when he acts in grace and mercy, Jonah said, this seems wrong. As I was reading this, I couldn't help but think back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. In that, we have what's called original sin or the very first time that like sin enters the world. And what happens is Eve eats the fruit, and the Bible says that the fruit seemed good and pleasing. I wonder how many of us today, we've began to think about things, we've based our morality, maybe our sexuality, on things that seem good. And for some of us, we even have the popular opinion of culture, maybe of friends, of family, that tell us this is good. But here's the truth. Anything that goes in contrast to what God is calling us to do or where God is leading us to go is never actually good, even if it seems good. Now, where a lot of us get offended when it comes to God is that God tells us to do something or he places boundaries in our life, uh, again, on Uh, sexuality or morality or relationships um, or this idea that like there's a God that judges us and it's like that seems kind of offensive. What's interesting in the story of Jonah is that Jonah doesn't get offended by any of those things. It's the opposite. He says again verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. He's like, isn't this what I said? when I was still at home, right? And now, now we're getting a picture of a conversation that Jonah had with God that, that didn't make it into the book, right? He's like, I told you. This is, this is why I ran away to Tarsus in the first place. I knew. Man, Jonah gets some things wrong, but he also gets some things right. This is what I knew. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. I knew 
that you are a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, I want us to, 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 especially if you've been with us, if you haven't, like, man, go watch the whole series, but this kind of brings everything together. Like, ultimately, why did Jonah disobey God? It's pretty simple. Jonah disobeyed because he didn't agree with what God was going to do. I knew what you were going to do. I knew that you were, I knew that you were going to forgive these people. Verse three, now Lord, take away my life. This is like, this is extreme, right? Like zero to a hundred. Just kill me. That's what he's saying. I don't want to live. Look, this is what he's saying. If these people are going to be forgiven, I don't even want to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry. So here's what I want to take us today. Because I believe that the, that the Lord is asking us this same question. Because someone came in here with an offense. Maybe it's towards someone, or maybe it's towards God himself. Like, I, I just, I don't know about this God guy. Like, is, is everything he says, is it really true? Is it really good? and we carry around this offense. But like God to Jonah, the question I wanna ask us today is simply this, are we offended by the right things? I get that you're offended, but am I offended by the right things? Now, this is where things get interesting in the story of Jonah. Because hear me, and I'll, I'll try to explain this so it makes sense. What God did for the Ninevites is offensive. But Jonah shouldn't be offended. Did you guys get that? Anyone awake today? I'm gonna say it again, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it out. What God did for the Ninevites was offensive, but Jonah shouldn't have been offended. Now, let me break this down and let me explain this. We talked about this, I think, back in week one, but it bears repeating. The nation of Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and Assyria um, at this time was one of the powerhouses in the world. And they were, if I could describe them like <laughs> in two words, like the Assyrians, the Ninevites, like they were bad dudes. Like, they went, like they were, they were conquerors, right? Nineveh was known as a, as a terrorist state for the nations around them because they would literally just go and take territory. Now, in the time of Jonah specifically, they weren't necessarily um, pushing against Israel, but in the past, they had been great foes to the nation of Israel. And when they went and when they conquered, like they didn't just go and knock on the door. And like, hey, we're here to take your land. We'll take the keys. Thank you. That wasn't how they rolled. Like literally, they would plunge. They would kill women and children. There, there, there's stories of like they would literally burn kids alive. They would burn cities to the ground. This was the nation. Are you guys following? Yeah. 
These are some bad dudes. And God forgives them. And God relents. And God doesn't give them what they deserve because they experience his grace and his mercy. Now I want you to understand something about grace and mercy. Grace and mercy is beautiful until the people that you don't want to experience grace and mercy experience grace and mercy. Did you guys hear? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Until an abuser can come to Jesus and actually be forgiven. Then it's, then it's a little bit offensive. That's, that's what Jonah's saying. Jonah's like, I understand. Like, I, I fully understand the character of God. And, and if there's someone here today, maybe you're not stuck in offense. If there's one thing you can get today, get those words of Jonah. Where he says, solidly, I know who you are. Because if you know the character of God, oh man, your life's about to change. Because the first thing that we think of when we think of God determines everything. You see, we live in a culture right now, it's, it's interesting. We're super offended over the idea of repentance. Like, it's, it's offensive to tell people that, like, hey, the way that you are living is not the way that you should be living. And, like, you need to change. And, and if you've never heard this, I want you to understand something. Grace is free. It's a free gift. But, like, when you come to God, he's not going to keep you how you were when you came to him. Like those things that, that you think, oh, this is just who I am. It's my primary identity. Wrong. When you come to Christ, you have one identity. And it is in him. Galatians says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so, whatever it is, because we live in a culture that likes to, I think, like pinpoint a few things. Where it's like, how could you ask us to change? Like our group of people. No, no, no. Anyone that comes to Jesus must change. We all have to change. I can't, I can't bring the old me, right? What did T.I. say? The old me is dead and gone. Like he can't come where God's calling me to go. And in our culture, that's extremely offensive that I have to repent. But here's the real offense. All you have to do is repent. This is the message that is truly offensive. Not that you have to repent, but all you have to do is repent. Meaning anything, anything you have ever done, anything anyone has ever done can be washed away in a moment. The word of God says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your sins. I, like God knows them no more when, he, when we come into Christ. That's offensive. Here's the point. The cross and the message of Jesus is offensive. The, the, when Jesus dies on the cross, if you don't know this story, I'm gonna explain it to you. There's a man beside him. Typically, we call him the thief on the cross. And the reason that he would be hanging there on a cross with Jesus was uh, not simply because he was a thief. More than likely, he was a murderer and just did a whole bunch of bad things. 
Like you don't get crucified for not doing bad things unless your name is Jesus. But in one moment, in one moment, in one conversation with Jesus, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Your sins are forgiven. A man who lived a whole life of sin in one moment experiences salvation. I was reading my Bible, it was crazy. He never went to growth track. <laughs> and he was saved. He didn't even sign up for serve day. And he was saved. Never read his Bible once. And he was saved. Now I want you to think of the people that that, that man hurt. It's kind of offensive. What? All he had to do was repent. You see, our issue is that we're offended by the wrong things. Are you guys following? You see, the greatest offense must always be the offense of the cross. Now, here's where Jonah messes up. Because Jonah understands something that I think a lot of us miss when it comes to grace. Grace is costly, it's messy, it's a little bit offensive. Jonah had it all right, but in this moment he just misses one thing. Jonah forgets that he needs grace and he needs mercy. You see what happens is that we get so busy looking at other things. Because again, some of us, you're not offended, but you're offended by people. Like how could they? Why did they? And we forget what we've done. You know, speaking of amazing grace, it says, the song goes, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I think in 2023, we don't like that part. We kind of want to say that saved a person like me. That saved someone like me. Because Harrison, I'm a pretty good person. I, I didn't even wait until after service to sign up for serve day. I signed up a week ago when the email came out. Because like, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Thank you for the grace of Jesus that saved someone like me. You want your life to be changed and transformed? Understand how wretched you actually are. Because what happens is we look to these people and we say, man, how could they be saved? Or how could they, how could they? Here's what I need to do for each and every one of us. Here's what we need to do. We need to say, how could God save someone like me? And then my perspective is flipped. Because I don't know your story, but here's what I know about you. I know that you lie. I know that you cheat. I know that you've stolen. I know all of us in this room have hurt people intentionally, unintentionally. But there's someone that has experienced pain at the other end of us. And I need never forget had it not been for the grace of Jesus, I'm no better, I'm no worse than a Ninevite, 
I'm no better, I'm no worse than the people that I think are the ones that deserve judgment. Jonah's offense was misdirected. He should be offended by sin, but instead he was offended at God, who would forgive. Now what's interesting, again, I think in our culture, one of the reasons that grace has lost its power is because we're afraid to really get into the dirt of our own lives. We're afraid to say something as simple as this. Without Jesus, we're going to hell. I don't, I don't know if I've ever said that plainly like in church before. Without Jesus, it's a one-way ticket. Right? That, 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 that song that we sang earlier, like, hell lost another one, I am free. Some of us don't clap our hands because we don't believe it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to hell. No, with, without Jesus, it's a one-way ticket. Here's our cultural issue. We should be offended by the fact that God would allow us to go to heaven. Instead, we're offended by the fact that God would give us what we deserve, which is hell. There's this thing in Canada, like, don't talk about judgment. I need to talk about judgment. Because if you didn't know this, Kingdom Church, we exist so we can give people a new ticket. So we can change that one-way ticket. But we've lost our urgency because we think people don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Maybe God's gonna relent. Listen, God will never relent if people don't repent. But as soon as they do, he always does. He always does. And so, <laughs> I had a weird thought. It's not in my sermon notes, but like, I feel like there's something inside of us as a people. I'll just share with you guys. Remember when Justin Timberlake said, I'm bringing sexy back? I think it's time we bring hell back. And, and, and I'm not saying it in a way to like scare people because scare tactics don't work. You guys understand that? Like y'all have seen the dude, and I love this dude like as a brother in Christ, but you guys have seen the dude on the side of the road who's like, hell, like, you're going to hell. Like, it's not doing much. But here's the truth. Even outside of future hell, there are people that are experiencing a present hell because of the decisions and the choices that they're making, and we're too afraid to offend some people with the message of the cross. I love um, this quote. There, there was someone that um, he, he survived a genocide in his country, and he was describing this Western phenomena of like, there is no hell, everyone is, is good, God's gonna give everyone a big hug at the end of times. This is what he says. He says, it takes the quiet of a suburban home for the birth of a thesis that we should desire a God who refuses to judge. In a sun-scorched land, Soaked in the blood of the innocents, such an idea will invariably die. Whew. Because he's experienced some things. You know what you and I need to experience? Our own wretchedness. 
our own wickedness. I love that song, you know, when, when Sid leads it, like, oh, to think where I would be if not for you. That needs to be the most powerful song in my spirit. Where would I be had it not been for the grace of Jesus? Jonah's right. He's right they deserve judgment. He's wrong in not seeing. The greatest offense of the cross is meant to change everything. And so, because Jonah doesn't fully understand it, like, okay, why? Why doesn't God just judge these people? God teaches him a lesson. Jonah chapter four, he says, Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There, he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. It's like a pay-per-view event. <laughs> like, well, we're gonna see. Maybe, will God <laughs> relent or? Verse six, and the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant, right? Up and down prophet, right? I love this plant. <laughs> but these Ninevites, ugh. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Again, he wanted to die. It would be better for me to die than to live. Now listen, y'all. Before I had air conditioning, when the, when the, when the heat wave started coming here, I feel Jonah. <laughs> I can't handle the heat. That's why I'm getting out of the flame and accepting Jesus. Anyways. <laughs> but God said to Jonah, again, same question, because Jonah's offended. Where'd the plant go? How could you kill the plant? Is it angry for you is it right for you to be angry about the plant? I love Jonah's response. It is. Yes, it is. I'm so angry. <laughs> this, is like, this is like what our girls say sometimes. I'm so mad. This is not fair. That's what they say sometimes. This is not fair. They don't, they don't say the next part, thankfully. I wish I were dead. Now, Jonah's about to learn a lesson about offense and being offended at the wrong things. Verse 10, the Lord said, you've been so concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it, and it died overnight. So what God says, this plant that you care about, You've done nothing. In other words, he's saying, I created it. I sprung it up. Verse 11, lean into this. And should I, God is speaking, not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. 
He's saying to Jonah, you care so much about this plant, but you care nothing about people. And God is saying, do these people deserve judgment? I already told you, these are some bad dudes. Some bad people. But, but, but look at God. He's saying, but they're still my people. I still created them. You've done nothing, Jonah. They're still my sons and daughters in Nineveh. And I don't want anyone to have to experience judgment. Understand this. You want to know the heart of God? Super simple. God cares deeply. God cares deeply. God cares deeply about his creation. God cares deeply about his children. For as much as an understanding of hell is important in order for us to experience grace and mercy, the reason hell is never the main thing is because God doesn't want anyone to go there. And understand this, God doesn't send anyone there either. People go on their own volition. Everyone and anyone who accepts the message is saved. But, but, but going back to truth, going back to offense, here's the reason we are the worst barometer for truth in whatever it is. Let's talk about our own morality. Here's why I'm the worst barometer. I could never care about myself more than God cares about me. I don't know if anyone heard that. I'm coming to this side now. We could never care more than God cares. And so everything that he ever tells us to do, it is always and inevitably from the backdrop of a God who cares deeply. When we're offended, specifically at God, we're always in the wrong. Because God cares more. Now, if you guys want to read Jonah verse 4, verse 12, it doesn't exist. The book of Jonah, uh, that was the end. It literally just ends. It's like, excuse me? Like, what's the rest of the story? Does Jonah get his act together? Does he start, just ends. This is what Tim Keller says. He says, as the story ends, we feel that there must be a missing page. Why would the story end so abruptly? Really with God asking a question. One commentator, like many, suggests this book forces us to contemplate our personal destiny. It remains unfinished in order that we may provide our own conclusion. For you are Jonah. I am Jonah. It is as if God shoots the arrow of a question at Jonah, but Jonah disappears, and we realize that the arrow is aimed at us. How will you answer? 
The book ends on a cliffhanger because inevitably, Jonah doesn't matter. What matters is you and I. How are we going to respond? I want us to take the book of Jonah as a whole. What is keeping you from stepping in and accepting the calling that God has for your life? What's causing you to run in the opposite direction? I know for a lot of us, it's that pride that says, I know better. If I go my way, I can make more money, I can make more connections, I can get further faster. And so we run. For for some of us, we're in a hard place right now where we just have all of these things inside of us that feel like truth. But we know that these feelings are in contradiction to what God says is best for us. And so we feel this urge like, God, how could I ever, how could you ever let me experience what I'm experiencing right now? And so like Jonah, we run. And I don't know where all of us are in this room, but I just wonder if there's someone that you just feel stuck. I have great news. Doesn't matter how stuck you are, all you gotta do is reach out. And on the other end, there is a God that cares deeply. He doesn't care how offended you were at him three months ago. Remember like when you were the leader of like the anti-God movement? doesn't matter. God says, come home. The the arrow is pointed at us. Jonah is out of the picture. It's just you and I. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? And I believe today that on the other end of our response is a life that we could never think, dream, or imagine. Because no eye has seen No ear has heard what just the plans that God has for us. And whatever it is that you're holding on to, I promise you God's way is better. He is good and everything he has for us comes from the heart of a God that cares deeply. So can we stand for a second, church? I want to make just a very specific call today. It's simply this, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to make a call for salvation. For someone that's been running the other way. So this is a very specific call. If no one raises their hands, that's okay. But if you've never accepted Jesus, I believe the whole reason we went through the book of Jonah was for you. So you could see and understand the heart of God that will meet you in the middle of your offense. So if you're saying today, I want to give my life to Jesus for the very first time. This is not my parents' decision. This is not my siblings' decision. This is my decision for the first time ever to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wholly, fully. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to make this appeal today. If that's you, could you just show me your hand? Thank you. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Can we all pray this together? Repeat after me, say, Jesus, thank you 
thank you for loving me. And thank you for dying for me. Father, today, I repent of my sin, of my pride, and of my running. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Can we give a shout of praise to the Lord for the decisions today? Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you want to get more connected with our community, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'll see you next week.